Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sample Size. The only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Samantha Spears. And I'm your other host, Wildcard Cameron. All right, Cameron, I don't know why I started speaking first. You're usually the one who cues me, so <laughs> please. <laughs> no, we live in a parallel dimension now <laughs> where you don't acknowledge how weird my name is, and also you're going to start this week. What's up? Hello. <laughs> Hello. See, I was good. I didn't acknowledge your name. You're I acknowledging was like, it now. Well, That's no, worse. Because, uh, because you pointed it out. I was like, yes, I what accept your new the name. news this week? All right. Well, for this week, I thought we'd do some stuff a little different. I'm going to do a roundup of different coronavirus stories because a lot of stuff has happened, you know, over the past few months when we've had this show. And also, we've had a few different stories about coronavirus on yes, the show. Yes, that's like literally the foundation of the show was yes. us being like, why is no one talking about the actual, like, statistics behind this stuff. <laughs> yes. So this episode's going to provide you some updates to some of those episodes and also some new facts about what's going on in the world. See, every single time I said we'll talk about this more in the future, we we did it. Yes. Unlike every other time I ever say that, we're actually <laughs> following through. <laughs> we made a promise and we're delivering on that promise. I'm giving you updates. Yes. We're more reliable than most federal governments. <laughs> oh. Put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> oh my god! All right. So, what do you got for me? Let's go. <laughs> COVID updates. Let's go. All right. So, the first, we're going to be giving an update on the vaccine trials. So, in a previous episode, we discussed some of the phase three COVID nineteen vaccine clinical trials, mainly the ones by AstraZeneca, Moderna, and Pfizer. Now, since that episode, there have been some updates to how those are going. So first, let's talk about AstraZeneca. Wait, wait, wait. I want to be clear. Phase three means that they've already tested that the vaccines are not dangerous. That was phase two. Phase three is that making sure that the vaccines are better than placebos? Yes. This cool. is the big double-blind trial. You have a large amount of people. One set's given a placebo. One set's given the actual vaccine. They're going to study them for a while and see if the vaccine is effective and also if there's any side effects that pop up. I'm surprised no one's surprised that they got a syringe that's just full of sugar pills. Like, you can't even inject that. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right. Let's see. How, how are we doing? How are we doing with these vaccines? All right. Well, first, AstraZeneca. About a month ago, they had to pause their study after one participant developed an unexplained illness. So AstraZeneca hasn't actually released what that illness was, but a New York Times reporter found that at least one volunteer in the UK developed transverse myelitis, which is inflammation across the spinal cord. So we don't know if that incident was the one that triggered the study stopping or not, but it could have been. All right. Calling it now. Zombies. Zombies? We got zombies. <laughs> this is zombies. No, no, no. Do not do not spread this false information. <laughs> I'm just saying this is if you've seen The Walking Dead, inflammation in the spine, I think maybe wasn't an episode. I don't know. It's a very convoluted show. But yeah. OK, this is interesting because this is one of those cases where because the one person, it can be difficult to tell if this is like specifically them and specifically the vaccine. Right. Yeah, exactly. And actually, them pausing this clinical trial, this is like a built-in procedure that mm -hmm. happens. Whenever an unexplained side effect pops up in a clinical trial, you have to pause things until you figure out 
is this associated with the actual trial or is this just, you know, a coincidence that occurred? And that's exactly what happened here. They paused it for some time. But at the beginning of October, they actually resumed again in Japan and they're in talks to begin again in the U.S. So things look like they're going to be moving forward on that one. And so the inflammation, it wasn't like this person was going to explode or something. They were just this is just like a discomfort. It could have been anything, really. I mean, I don't actually know the science behind transverse myelitis. (laughs) Like, I don't. I also... We don't know if that case was the one that paused it. It could have been that this New York Times reporter found this person who happened to contract that. But, for example, they may not even have been in the vaccine group. They may have been in the placebo group. So it could be that there was some other thing that popped up that happened to pause the trial. AstraZeneca hasn't released that info, probably because this is a clinical trial. And so you shouldn't really be releasing much info about it anyways. You kind of want to keep things blind. That's usually the whole point. Okay. This is still pretty cool to think about. Yeah. And now Moderna and Pfizer, their trials are also still going on. And people may have seen like occasional news stories pop up of, oh, these are what people are reporting as side effects to the vaccines and stuff. So I want to cover a little of that because I found one article in particular that kind of went in depth on it. Basically, there's been reports of some of the side effects participants have been experiencing, which include high fevers, chills, exhaustion, shortness of breath, and pain at the injection spot. So pretty much like what you would think of coronavirus symptoms, kind of these people have been experiencing. But the good news is that the people who've been interviewed have said that their symptoms went away after a day. And they've said that they believe it's worth enduring to be protected from the coronavirus. Cool. Yeah. And again, I want to point out here that when you hear these stories, it's also tough to judge if the symptoms you're hearing are from people who are in the vaccine group or in the placebo group. Because the thing about a double blind study is like the participants don't know if they're getting the actual vaccine or not. The people giving them the vaccine don't know if they're actually giving them the vaccine or not. Certainly the reporters also do not know if the these people are getting the vaccine or not. They just know that they're in the clinical trial. So there's a good chance that these are actual side effects, but it could be that these just happen to pop up and they're not actual side effects at all. This is where we're going to have to do a whole separate episode explaining double blind studies and how they're incredibly important to the scientific method. I mean, we kind of did that. We did. Go back and listen to it. You're welcome. <laughs> Aha, uh-huh. I see what you did there. <laughs> yes, I totally remembered we did that episode. Yep. <laughs> all right. And all of these companies, they're still expecting a vaccine to be ready by sometime January. So okay. look out for that. Yeah, cool. That means I have till January to enjoy being stuck at home. I'm actually enjoying this. I know I have till January. <laughs> Cameron is oddly happy about this. <laughs> My vacation is coming to an end, but I still have time. <laughs> all right. Do you want to move on to the next story? Yes. Cool. Sorry, I don't have more. This is just me absorbing information right now. <laughs> yeah, no, you're doing great. All right. Thanks, Cameron. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Speaking of vaccine stuff, our next story involves FDA vaccine guidelines. So the FDA, they got into some tension with the White House over stricter guidelines for approving a coronavirus vaccine. So back on Monday, September 21st, the FDA submitted to the White House updated guidelines for approving a coronavirus vaccine. 
And the goal of the new guidelines is to provide transparency to the public on how these vaccines will be approved and have some stricter measures in place so that the public will be more confident in the vaccine once it comes out. Because it's been so long, people are kind of weary about getting a coronavirus vaccine, also because it's new. Like, I think I saw one study that said about, like, 50-something percent of the U.S. they polled would be willing to get the vaccine. So the FDA is kind of trying to, like, put a curtail to that and be like, hey, we're making our procedures really transparent. We're being super cautious. So please do not worry. Yeah. And a weird thing about this is like, okay, first of all, it's very obvious why they want to make sure that everyone was really on board with the vaccine and knew that it was going to be good for them because our country has not a great track record with, you know, experimenting on people. So it could be like, yeah, I don't know if I want to trust America, especially right now. But at the same time, this actually coming from both sides, the FDA is doing this, but all of the drug companies that are doing these have all committed to making sure that they will take the appropriate safety measures, not just in regard to the FDA, because likewise, they're also worried that they would release these vaccines and people would either not believe that they are effective or that they would be pressured to release them or are seen as being pressured to release them too soon by the Trump administration causing people to not take them seriously. Yeah. And actually, you kind of hit the nail on the head on what this story is about. So let me continue real quick. I said the FDA proposed these stricter guidelines to the White House. One of these stricter measures is to follow participants for a median of at least two months after receiving the second injection so that any potential long-term side effects can be identified. But this requirement means that a vaccine being approved before the November 3rd election is highly unlikely something the Trump administration didn't like very much. Yeah, it's not going to play very well if you're going to the election and you don't have the vaccine. Yeah, so after receiving the guidelines from the FDA, guess what? The White House refused to approve them. And Trump did his usual Twitter tirade saying that the FDA was just being political. So then you're going to love this, okay? I don't think I like any of this. No, 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 no. It's it's just it's just funny to look at from afar. Mm, All right. one of those, if you squint your eyes real hard, I guess it looks like a face. <laughs> I guess. So after the Trump administration basically refused to approve these new guidelines, the FDA was pretty much like, OK, fine, we'll just get an outside opinion from a group of vaccine advisors. And then they published the guidelines on their website for this group to view. So after the guidelines were published for everyone to see, That then convinced the White House to begrudgingly approve these guidelines. And of course, everything done the White House has a tweet associated with it. So let me read you this tweet from Trump. New FDA rules make it more difficult for them to speed up vaccines for approval before Election Day. Just another political hit job. And that was accompanied with him tagging the FDA commissioner at the end of that tweet. Get ripped! Oh, my gosh. It just delights me so much. It shouldn't. This is like our democracy eroding. Yeah, (laughs) we we do have to take a moment to take stock of the fact that that has to happen, that anyone who runs a federal agency or a federal agency themselves would have to go behind the back of the commander in chief who is supposed to be advising them on his vision of our country speaks to how much dissonance there is between the administration and their goals as an agency based on their, like, original charter of what created them. Yeah, man, it really does exemplify, like, the huge tension between all of the scientific agencies and the ones having to deal with the pandemic and then the White House's response of how they want the pandemic to be dealt with. This one story, it just really sums that up beautifully. And yeah, like, on the one hand, I really do not like the idea of an agency having to go behind anyone's back. On the other hand... 
I think we all get it. Yeah. Yeah, we get it. So anything else from the FDA? No, not from the FDA. But do you want to move on to our next story? What's our next story? Our next story is a series of updates about the CDC. Ooh, yeah, that was a mixed bag because we had the CDC having to deal with fighting Mr. Trump, but also the CDC having to fight its history of racism. Yeah, yeah, we've had two previous episodes on the CDC, so everyone should, of course, go back and listen to those. But just some more updates of how the CDC and Trump administration relationship isn't really going great still. First, on Monday, October 5th, the CDC updated its website to say that COVID can be transmitted through airborne particles. So last month, the CDC actually posted a draft version of this guidance, but then they took it down saying that it was posted in air. So what the guidance says is that airborne transmission is rare, they are still studying it, and that staying six feet apart, wearing a mask, and washing your hands often are still the best safety precautions. Yeah, and this is like a weird thing to explain because technically when I get COVID on you or if I get any disease on you, a lot of the times it will be through air transmission where I can be speaking at you within six feet of you and you're breathing in enough particles I'm spitting out. That technically counts, but here we're talking more severe diseases like SARS. SARS is also coronavirus. Yeah, SARS is also a coronavirus. The particles can survive in the air long enough to get to you even if the person who was spewing the particles is absent. Yeah, exactly. And the reason they changed their guidance guidelines is because they have had a handful of cases where that seems like that was the case. I think they mentioned how it happened in areas where there was a lot of heavy breathing, such as workout rooms, or I I think they mentioned singing. I'm not sure what that one was about. But from reading it over, it sounds like there was a handful of cases where this could be the case. So that's why the guidance was updated. Yeah, actually, the singing thing brings to mind a very funny, it's not funny, it's honestly horrendous, but a problem that lots of choral teachers are having in terms of having chorus classes where they have to take their kids outside and jump through a bunch of hoops to have chorus in school, either like with half capacity or online. They have to do so many things because it's one of the few activities where you're not wearing a mask and you have to just get that air out your lungs. I didn't even think of that. Wow. So I I get that part of it. The other thing is it sounds like this is one of those places where it's hard for them to confirm it's actually through the air because in a lot of those places, just the act of spewing that many particles out of you anyway Mm -hmm. means like it could get on surfaces. It could get on you. There's any number of ways it could be breathed in by you that unless we have very rigorous lab testing, it could be hard to confirm for sure how it's actually airborne. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that coronavirus being airborne will be able to be absolutely confirmed until there's a lab study done. And lab studies take time, and this is a pretty novel virus, so we probably won't know that exact answer for a while. So is there anything here that I need to know? (laughs) Not here, but I do have some more CDC-related news. Oh. So I will get on to that. A private letter that a past CDC director sent to the current director was leaked recently. And the past director, Dr. William Fogey, who served under the Carter and Reagan administrations, sent current director Robert Redfield a letter on September 23rd saying how disappointed he was and how the CDC has not been standing up to the Trump administration. So he mentions how CDC employees have lost confidence in the director's leadership and that the CDC's reputation has gone from, quote, gold to tarnished brass. And he also mentioned how the CDC has made a lot of mistakes, including lacking a strong federal strategy, ceding CDC's authority as a credible source to other scientists, and maintaining an isolationist America First policy and not 
networking of other countries. And Fogey concluded the letter urging Redfield to stand up to the Trump administration, even if it means getting fired. I actually really get this letter because this definitely sounds like a bit of an American flexing on how great America is. But the CDC used to and a little bit still is considered the gold standard. That's where the gold is tarnished brass joke came from. Oh, yeah. It's a very bad joke, but that's really, <laughs> that's the best that's the best flex you can do in a letter on letterhead meant for a government official. No, there's literally countless agencies around the world that look to the CDC for guidance on their own pandemic and outbreak research. Like when any swine flu, avian flu, SARS, any of that stuff, Ebola, Ebola any of that stuff, the CDC, a U.S. agency, was helping those local agencies figure out how to deal with, track everything for those viruses. So they have a tested history of dealing with pandemics. But it's very clear that the current administration has taken something that should have been a non-starter, their role in the medical community, in terms of fighting a variety of diseases, and turned it into political hell, in terms of them having to fight their own battle for survival against the actual government, while also trying to do their job. Not to say that they didn't have their own fair share of blunders throughout this entire process, but it feels like the past four years have put a strain on them that they didn't experience before. Oh, yeah, definitely. And we've mentioned this before. The CDC has made its mistakes during this pandemic, which I feel like this is just my personal opinion. That seems like a natural thing to occur, considering this is a novel virus and this is a new thing that's occurring. But they have definitely had a lot more hurdles because of just interference from the White House. Interference from the top-down government agency trying to watch over them or Health and Human Services trying to watch over them instead of letting the CDC do their job. And I don't really know how much the HHS-CDC relationship is gone into affecting their performance over the past four years or if that's really just a recent thing because of COVID. But I can see there's a lot of confounding factors. Yeah. And actually, let me just move on to my last CDC update. On October 9th, the White House Coronavirus Task Force rejected a mandate issued by the CDC to require all people on transportation to wear masks. And the rule would have required all passengers and workers of commercial and public transportation, including trains, buses and planes, to wear face coverings. And this rule was actually supported by the HHS Secretary Alex Azar, but it was rejected by the COVID task force without deliberation. Let me get this straight. They had guidelines for the bare minimum every American is kind of expected to do right now to not spread COVID-19. And they're like, yeah, but what if no? Yeah, exactly. Okay, that, I mean, it's weird because a lot of people are doing that anyway. Lots of private companies are doing that. And obviously part of it's to make yourself appealing to customers and say like, we're doing everything we can for you to come and still shop here. But at the same time, it's really wacky to say that the federal government shouldn't do common sense. Well, and that was actually one of the big points of the former CDC director's letter that got leaked. One of the big points there was that he was saying the CDC hasn't really taken the initiative to issue federal guidance of like saying, hey, this is a guidance that every state should follow. So because that hasn't been done, it kind of led to everything being a free for all in all 50 states of whatever they feel like should be the individual guidance. Which you could argue there's some good and bad to that, considering there's been different levels of how the pandemic has been affecting different states. But still, you would think the best solution would be to have, hey, this is from the federal government. This is what you should be doing at a bare minimum. And then any states can go, you know, beyond that or do something to build upon that. And that's kind of what this one minor rule would be. 
But this would be a mandate that would be like, no, no matter what state you're in, no matter what the state laws are, you have to wear masks on public transportation. And that didn't get approved. Yeah. And that just feels like part of it was him not wanting to deal with the headache of there are going to be some states that either as a show of strength or just to play petty politics leading up to the election, they're going to say, well, we're not going to do it because we're free Americans. It's like, all right, like you are literally putting people in danger because you think that not wearing a mask on public transportation is a political stance. Yeah, I can't really speak to the intentions of the task force for why they would reject this. But yeah, it's probably like an image political game that's going on. Yeah, it's not even to say that they are trying to push an agenda. Part of me wonders if they didn't want to do it just so they wouldn't have to deal with political backlash. Yeah, I I could definitely see that. The next story is covering the president's COVID-19 diagnosis. Uh, yeah. Okay, don't don't be that excited, Cameron. I'm not excited for anyone getting COVID, but I'm excited for the story. Okay. On Friday, October 2nd, President Trump and First Lady Melania tested positive for COVID-19. The president was soon taken for treatment at Walter Reed Medical Hospital, where he was discharged the following Monday afternoon. It's unclear how the president contracted the virus, but most believe it was at a ceremony he hosted in the White House Rose Garden on Saturday, September 26, which is where he announced his Supreme Court pick since at least six other people from that event have tested positive. And more than a dozen people close to the administration or the re-election campaign have also tested positive for the virus. Yeah, and honestly, we've already seen high-ranking officials in the Republican Party get sick and some die from COVID already, so I'm not actually that surprised by any part of this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Man, come on, like, take a break. Come on, Donnie, we know you need a break to wind up for November, so take take this time. Take, take, take your time. Relax. It is a little shocking that he was admitted Friday morning and then was released Monday afternoon, so he really wasn't in the hospital for that long, but he continued treatment at the White House after that. Yeah, but when they say treatment and all that stuff, it wasn't clear how sick he was, and it also wasn't clear if the treatment was routine or did he actually need it. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, his doctors have been a little hush-hush on what's going on. They have been giving press conferences, but they've been a little hush-hush. I mean, it's literally a national security secret. I can understand why there's not that much information. But at the same time, the way they keep describing it is so much doublespeak that I'm not even sure that they're describing a man who's sick. <laughs> That's true. And actually, I part of me thinks like if this was any other president, we wouldn't be as, wait, what's going on about it? Because this is happening to a president who routinely just contradicts himself and is trying to hide things about what's happening. So I think that makes it even more the American public being like, but wait, but what's going on? Wait, is that true? Is that not true? Oh, no. What's happening? Is he hiding something? OK, I want to be clear. I don't like misinformation. I don't want to spread inf- misinformation. But I've seen nonstop memes about how the real Donald Trump never left the hospital. And a clone. Oh, my God. Apparently, they figured out that if you put an Instagram filter over a person, they'll look different. And as a result, <laughs> that must be a clone. <laughs> All right, this isn't Star Wars. You can't just do Attack of the Clones up in here. Oh, my God. That's actually the end of that story I had. I just thought we should mention it since that did happen in the past month. It did happen. That was a thing that happened. Our president got sick and then didn't take it seriously, even though he got sick and went to a hospital, but then talked about how it wasn't a big deal, even though he went to a hospital. That wasn't weird. Yeah. None of this is weird. Yep. That that was troubling. If you get sick, please do go to a hospital and take the appropriate amount of care for yourself based on proper professional recommendation. If you're listening to this podcast, I care about you more than I care about most people in my life because you've taken time out of your day to listen to us try our very best 
to share important scientific facts with you. And as a result, I care a lot about you and I want you to stay healthy. So if you get sick, please take every appropriate step to take care of yourself based on professional advice and also hit us up on Twitter and we'll see if we can send you super something. And with that, I'm going to transition to my next story. That was a very good thing you said. All right. I want to keep it wholesome, okay? I'm not here to bash <laughs> people. I'm here to spread positivity and also scientific awareness. Yes, and not spread the coronavirus. And not spread the coronavirus. <laughs> and not spread the coronavirus, yes. <laughs> All right. And my next story is on the COVID stimulus package and how there looks to be there's not going to be one anytime soon. Uh, yeah. I didn't really get money in the last one, but that's for different reasons. <laughs> okay. So... The Trump administration actually keeps flip-flopping on their support for another coronavirus stimulus package. So both Democrats and Republicans have been negotiating for a while to pass another stimulus package. But the Trump administration, they keep sending mixed signals on what they want. Just some examples here. On October 3rd, Trump demanded Congress to approve another relief package. But then three days later, he called off negotiations with Democrats until after the election. And then he wanted to pass, like, some piecemeal provisions instead of a comprehensive package. But then, on October 9th, in an interview with Rush Limbaugh, he said that the talks were back on and that he wanted a package that was bigger than what Democrats and Republicans were offering. On that same day, even earlier that day, the White House communications director said they wanted the package to be under $2 trillion, which, to put into some perspective, the Democrats first proposed a $3 trillion package, and then negotiated down to a $2.2 trillion package. So now it looks like the administration is back to wanting piecemeal agreements, or now they're wanting to get this through. I don't know. It's a little unclear what's going on. That's the sad thing about this is the more I hear about it, the more it just feels like showmanship. I'm trying my best to get you money, but these people in government who are in my party don't want to work with you. And also the Democrats. Remember the Democrats, the election's coming. That's all it sounds like to me. And this is not a game. This is people's lives and livelihoods. And people are getting kicked out every day from their homes because they are not getting stimulus relief. There's no real story here other than get it together, guys. Stop treating this like a political game and start treating it like people's actual lives. Yeah, I feel like the president, he can't decide if having the package passed or not having the package passed will work better for his re-election campaign. I feel like that's what the whole debate is, and that's why there keeps being this weird flip-flop going on, or he's trying to play both sides kind of is what you hinted at. And so it's just kind of just stalling talks because of that, which is really annoying. Also, something very scary to think about when it comes to the amount of money that the stimulus package is supposed to represent. I think I've briefly touched on this before. Steve Mnuchin kind of unintentionally turned on a printing press inside the Treasury. And now we're <laughs> kind of drawing money at a lot of problems that are not real solutions to COVID while ignoring real solutions for the people like the stimulus packages that more of an emphasis on helping actual people on the ground instead of creating convoluted schemes to make sure specific people can get testing. Yeah, exactly. It's just a whole huge mess. And then not even to mention like what the airline companies did. I didn't even include this, but we can talk about here where pretty much the airline companies said, oh, we're not getting another stimulus package anytime soon. All right, we're just going to start laying off a ton of people. And 
Me, the like consumer looking on this story, thinks, wait, didn't you get a stimulus package at the beginning of all this? And the point of that was said that you wouldn't have to lay off all these people, but instead you took that money and, you know, raised your own salaries and are now laying off all these people? Like, come on. Yeah, and this, I mean, we've seen this before with the 08 housing crisis and all sorts of other places where the companies have needed bailouts. But the unfortunate truth here is that money shouldn't be going to airlines. It should be going to the people those airlines are paying for because there's no way way for you to guarantee that if you give money to a person who's supposed to give money to someone else that they're going to do that. Yeah. We've seen that in countless places around the world. So the more you can get that money directly into the hands of people who actually need it. And there's a lot of that in this history. I hate to go back as far as the Civil War, but 40 acres and a mule was a literal attempt to put actual land and resources in the hands of now freed slaves. Oh, yeah. And it, most of it, the land and resources went to Southern whites who just, let's be honest, they stole it. <laughs> Yeah. And so expecting something similar from corporations that have their own economic incentives and their own need to keep their stock prices high, knowing full well that they're an industry that relies entirely on fossil fuels. And we don't even want to get into how we need more green technology and maybe your giant airplane isn't the best way to help the planet. I I'm, I don't want to <laughs> sound like that guy. OK, we're going to stop. I'm going to stop talking. I don't want to sound like that guy. But seriously, Congress, stop giving money to companies, start giving money to the actual citizens who need it. Agree. And I also want to point out that Mitch McConnell has said that it's unlikely anything will be passed in the next three weeks, especially since the Supreme Court hearings have just started up. Okay, that alone makes me think that every single bad thing we just heard was his fault. The way he (laughs) said that, the way that sounds is the guy who's responsible for making sure things happen in our Congress, in our Senate. It's like, yeah, what if we didn't do any of those things and also you're dumb? All right, I... I don't think that's quite true. I will say a weird, I don't even want to say this is a fun fact. A weird fact about Mitch McConnell that I heard in passing was that he hasn't been to the White House in like a long time because he doesn't want to catch coronavirus. Yeah, that's not a rumor. He's gone on record multiple times as saying, and no one's seen him at the White House. He refuses to go to the White House because he doesn't want to get coronavirus. Yeah. But on top of that, he's... Mitch McConnell, that's all I'm saying. Yes. And with that, I think I should move on to our last story. Yeah, let's let's go. All right. And the last story is actually just going to cover the rise in COVID cases that we've been seeing in the U.S. and across the world. So as of Monday, October 12th, more than 7 million people in the U.S. have been infected with coronavirus and over 210,000 have died. And as I mentioned, cases across the U.S. and across the world have been on a rise as a second wave of infection has begun. And And scientists actually predicted that this would happen. Like, they've predicted that a second wave would come at some point after the first wave. And it seems like that we are seeing that second wave now. In both India and Russia, they've seen a huge rise in cases, and several European countries have also seen a rise and are tightening restrictions as the second wave begins. All right. First of all, there is no second wave. It's just the first wave. It's still just the first wave. The second wave would imply that the first wave died down and we didn't see nearly as many coronavirus cases to the point where we thought it was gone, and then it came back out of nowhere. We never saw nearly enough of a dip in the coronavirus for there to call this a second wave, and it's really annoying to see, hear them say that. Okay. We didn't really see that in the U.S. We did kind of see that worldwide, though, like in Europe. Yeah, it's just I don't want to give us credit. No, please do not give the U.S. credit because the U.S. had you could say that the U.S. is on their third wave because we had an additional wave that no one else in the world had, which was kind of in the summer. And that was because we there was a rise in cases in some states that reopened early. No, no. Yeah. So we yeah, do not give the U.S. credit. We've we're on our third wave every day. 
day I think of that Onion article that's like the literally anywhere in the world is on their 14th phase of pretending this virus is over. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like this fake Onion article title and it's just so real. Here's the thing about all of this. There's two scary parts to what's happening in my mind in addition to just the human cost and the human toll. The first is we've been with this so long that it kind of just feels like it's there. Like I feel like a lot of people in one way or another have acclimated to what we're dealing with Mm. to the point where this spike in cases doesn't register as a real threat even though this is still a deadly pandemic that's going around the planet. And the second thing that's really upsetting to me is just a virus mutates. And every single time we don't do a good job helping fight the virus, we're actually giving it more time to figure out new ways to attack us. And so whenever I hear about increased cases and whatnot, I'm not just thinking about the fact that unfortunately people are getting sick and dying. I'm also thinking about the fact when are we going to find out about a new strand of this virus that's going to be problematic. Yeah, I feel like you're kind of comparing it to how the flu happened. Yeah. Yeah, where we had the Spanish flu pandemic and then now we have just the seasonal flu that comes around and it mutates in different strains. And, you know, every time the flu vaccine comes around, you're kind of guessing which of the strains will be popular and that's what's in the flu vaccine. Yeah, and that all goes all back to one pandemic from 1920. So if we don't get a handle on this, we can't do a good job with vaccines and making sure that we get to a point where we could even claim to have herd immunity in a meaningful way with actual vaccinations. And not just letting it run rampant through our populace like politicians would like you to believe. We had an entire episode about how that's not how herd immunity works. Please go listen to it. If we don't do a good job shutting it down now, we will be living with it for a long time. Yes. And I want to bring up that kind of what I discussed at the top of the episode. It does look like a vaccine is still on track for the beginning of January or like for January, which is coming up soon. So hopefully that will be the case and enough people will be vaccinated and we can really we could really curb this pandemic from getting out of control, more out of control than it already has been. And like I said at the top of the show, I really hope this works out because I know there are a lot of people who right now are putting themselves in danger who need this vaccine and they need a way to be able to fight this virus and making sure they're most vulnerable are kept safe and healthy, especially thanks to a vaccine is, man, it can't come soon enough for me. Exactly. All right. And I I think actually with that, that's a good point to wrap up this episode. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, please let all your friends know that COVID is still around. It's a thing. They should be aware of it and take care of themselves and share this episode with them so that they can stay inside and stay safe and enjoy not being bored until the end of this podcast. And then they can go listen to the rest of the backlog. Yes, exactly. Please continue to wear masks in public. Please continue to stay six feet apart and watch wash your hands often. And if you would like to know anything else about the stuff I covered in this show, all of my sources are in the show notes. And you know, if you're feeling up for it, please go on iTunes and maybe give us a good rating and leave a comment about what you think about this show. And if you want to give us a bad rating, you can tweet it directly at us or keep it to yourself. (laughs) But seriously, if you can afford to, please not just share this podcast. More importantly, take care of yourself. And if you can, as Stephen Dubner always says, someone else. Bye. Bye.